We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Welcome into the Fantasy Football Mailbag of Rotoviz Podcast. This is the October 18th episode, and we, as always, are dedicated to answering all of those fantasy football questions. I'm your host, Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at RandallRant. Today, we are talking to Rich Rebar, one of the true pillars in the fantasy football community. Rich is doing fantastic work over at SharpFootballAnalysis.com. His weekly worksheet, of course, is legendary, one of the best fantasy football prep pieces available. He has incredible weekly content. Content, thought-provoking fantasy football analysis. You hear them all over the place. Articles, podcast appearances, social media, just critical insight that helps you with those fantasy football decisions on a weekly basis. If you aren't already following him, you should delete your account. But if you choose not to, he is on Twitter at Lord Reeves, and we are thrilled to have the king of the Konami code on the mailbag to get us ready for week seven, which of course is the halfway point for most of our seasonal leagues. Rich, welcome to the show. It's an honor to have you on the mailbag. Mike, man, uh, what's going on? You know, we had the the pleasure to meet, you know, a few months ago, and it was a, gr- a good time. Uh, if you're not following me, you don't have to delete your account, though. I will tell everyone <laughs> that it's all right. You don't have to. We're not we're not all for everyone on Twitter. 
either. But, uh, you know, if you do want to come and, and see some nonsense, I'm there at Lord Reap. So definitely find me there. But uh, me and you met in person, you know, uh, in and it was August, the front of August when we do those drafts with Jake. And, uh, yeah, it was great meeting you for the first time. And, you know, we got to, you know, share a drink and some dinner together. And uh, I'm glad to do the show with you. Absolutely. And they should they should be following you. You're too modest of a guy. But, yes, we had a great time. What I should have done is I should have got you on the payroll there while I was making my flex league drafts and told me not to take Juju Smith-Schuster at the wraparound <laughs> pick at the one-two turn. That's what I should have done. I should have paid you while you were sitting there. <laughs> yeah, mine, uh, my flex draft's not going so hot either. I've, I've basically – I've got Alvin Kamara and David Johnson, which has been fine. But, you know, I had, I had, had Drew Brees. He got hurt. My receivers just haven't really worked out. I took like a, a buckshot approach at wide receiver side, like Christian Kirk. He's not, he hasn't really hit. I do still like Christian Kirk for us the remainder of the season, but like guys like Dante Pettis and I had Alshon, who's been okay, but like I, I went heavy running back in the auction and those guys have been fine, but the rest of my team has really been hurting. Well, Rich, we start every mailbag this year asking the experts about how they got their start in fantasy football. I've been following you for a long time. Great work, but of course the worksheet is legendary. How did that all start for you? And when was the first time you kind of realized, hey, you know, what people are starting to take notice of the time and the work that I'm putting in. Oh man, yeah, I've shared a few times how I started, but uh, you know, um, I was always I'm always been against social media and haven't really taken like a, a shine to it. And that's why sometimes that when football's over, you'll see me just ghost for like a little bit and then you know take time off. But my you know my buddies kept saying like you know just get a Twitter account, you can follow all. It's just it's a great for following news information. So I, I finally got one. This is you know like 2011, 2012, and uh, I started just like tweeting football facts like just stuff that i share because i've been doing this playing chance football and like approaching things this way for such a long time and there was an account that was called nfl retweet which still exists now uh they mostly tweet like memes and jokes and stuff now but it was it had a huge following then and the guy would retweet all these facts and uh it happened that denny carter cd carter was also following that account and he approached me through DMs one day and was like, "Hey man, uh, I love all this like stuff like you're putting out. Like, do you want to like do do you do any articles or writing or anything?" And I was like, "No, not really, but it's not something I'd be opposed to like picking up as a hobby." And he brought me uh, on at XN Sports at the time, and I started writing articles for XN Sports for fifteen dollars a pop, you know, big time. That's uh, pretty good, man. Yeah, yeah, that's a good start back then. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah fifteen bucks an article, and started working there, and you know, just kind of do started doing work not too dissimilar to what I do now. I mean, obviously I've, I've learned more and added stuff to the repertoire and the tool bag, but uh, then, you know, people started just, uh, you know, kind of going from there, you know, uh, guys like Rumford Johnny was real big on like propelling me and getting my voice out there to guys like Sigmund Bloom and Evan Silva, who once I got to those guys, they, help my voice get you know extended further and you know kind of so on and so on uh but yeah i mean it's you know all you guys all make all these parody accounts for denny carter and you guys you know go, go attack him in the libs but uh you know denny carter was is the god he's my uh, you know kind of uh, my godfather man no denny's actually a great guy and the community <laughs> is strong everybody's very supportive so the message i've been sending is if someone has a passion they like writing they like getting involved in fantasy just keep the nose to the grindstone someone will pick you up someone will, will get involved and then you go from there and don't be afraid to take a leap because mm -hmm. you start writing for free or something like that all of a sudden you get your work out there and people notice it right 
Yeah, I mean, you said to do the job. I know it's, it's it stinks to tell people like, hey, do this, and, and no one's noticing you. It's hard, and you know you're not making any money off of it. But you just have to do the job, and if you do good work, it will eventually get you to where you need to go. But you just have to just go out there and do it. You can't wait for the door to open. You got to start doing it. Well, Rich, full disclosure, I am not a Jameis Winston guy. I never have been. The turnovers for me were just way too much. And while he has an ideal coach, he certainly has explosive playmakers. Chris Godwin has been fantastic. I just never bought his efficiency. Now, I had to eat those words when he faced the Rams, dropped 385 passing yards, four touchdowns. Of course, the overall fantasy football QB1 performance. But I was not surprised there where you had a sort of a disastrous performance against the Panthers in London, although the amount of turnovers was excessive even for me. <laughs> where do the Bucks go from here? They're on the bye, right? And where do you stand on Winston? I've been going back and forth on Twitter. Is he going to be the starting quarterback next year? Can he find this year for fantasy owners weekly consistency? What's your short and long-term projection there on Jameis Winston? Yeah, I mean, uh, I actually wrote an article on Jameis as a prospect at Rotoviz. One of my original Rotoviz articles was about Jameis as a prospect, and you know, and how QBs don't change, and they are who they are. The college level—that's what they're going to. They're a good bet to be that and have you know accuracy and turnover issues in the NFL. They had those in college, which is what he did, and that's who he's been in the NFL. Yeah, I mean. Uh, the frustrating part is that he's, like you said, he's in a system with weapons that are kind of conducive for igniting those spike weeks. And we've had a couple of those so far. He's had two games at 25 or more points and also like three weeks where he's been the QB 20 or lower. Most of those have been identifiable except for that opener. You know, what's funny is we all drafted him that drafted him because we thought that week one San Francisco match was to be good. And yeah. hindsight shows that. That uh, that was a uh, you know very poor planning because San Francisco's D is pretty legit. Um, but you know Tampa Bay still has a fairly soft passing schedule up. They're number five by our pass D efficiency rest of the season metrics and number three in explosive pass de- defense. So I mean there's, there's you're always going to ride the waves because Jameis is isn't going to change who he is. Now if you can't deal with that then absolutely eject get out. Um, he's by uh, definitely bona fide more of a best ball type of option. Um, but he does hit when the matchups usually you know are layups uh you know you look at the games that he hasn't performed well in they've been kind of avoidable avoidable games uh from an objective stance so i mean you just got to pick and choose um but long term i mean i think he'll go the route of Mariota. i don't think it'll be this year i don't i don't really believe that they'll give blaine gabbard a real look unless it's really at the end of the season and he's still on ir anyways and hasn't been able, he's, he hasn't come off yet but uh yeah i don't i don't think that he'll be a starting quarterback you know in 2020 it's so funny you mentioned that about the defenses. It drives me crazy in <laughs> seasonal rooms when someone drafts, you know, Jacksonville's defense last year or the Bears this year. They're not sticky year to year. So, of course, that week one, I agree with you. I thought Jameis, he's going to explode here. He's got San Francisco. But, of course, now San Francisco's holding Jared Goff to like 75 yards passing out <laughs> against the Rams. So good point about the defenses. You never know, right? Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of the stuff that goes into defensive scoring for fantasy really has – such little to do with actually like real good defense in the NFL. It's it's like a lot of that stuff, defensive touchdowns and high turnover and stuff. All that stuff is really has a lot of high variance to it. I received a question here from a Jets fan. Of course, Sam Darnold's back. How do you handicap the offense moving forward? Robbie Anderson had that awful stretch of cornerback matchups, really tough matchups. Le'Veon, of course, was limited with terrible QB play. Demarius Thomas is now back in the fold. Crowder has been fantastic in the two games with Darnold, with the targets and receptions. And, of course, now Chris Herndon, of course, trending towards coming back. How do you handicap the Jets' offense moving forward? They do have a friendly schedule here rest of the season. And who do you think is going to really profit in a fantasy perspective from Darnold's return? 
Yeah, I mean, I tweeted a few weeks ago about buying and p- or picking up Robbie Anderson because I'm sure he was let go in a lot of leagues, you know, just based on the fact. Everyone was taking uh, lines uh, on dumping on the Jets. Now, I know, I, I didn't know if I got this from you. Now, where you are, are you a Jets or Giants guy? It's funny. I talked to Jake about this. I grew up as a Cowboys fan, but I am a dis- disenfranchised Cowboys fan. I think I just <laughs> lost faith in Jerry Jones and the direction they're going. And, of course, this year they've actually performed well to start the year. But sure enough, you can tell Jake. Jason, Car- Jason Garrett's thumbprints are back in the offense yep. again, and we're targeting Jason Witten 11 times in a game. So, yes, <laughs> I, I'm a technically a Cowboy fan, but I'm disenfranchised for sure. Okay. Yeah, because I didn't know if I was like, but a lot of people were in line to dump on the Jets, you know, and it's just like, you know, I can't yet, you know, I know that the offensive line's a real problem, but, you know, I couldn't just take shots on firing off on Adam Gates. It was too low hanging fruit with Luke Falk starting, you know what I mean? Like, it was like, awful. come on, it was, awful. it was like, come on, we got to at least see Darnold play before we can just like start taking shots on the Jets. So, I mean, I was at least on coaxing people like, hey, grab Robbie Anderson, he's out there, let's just see how it goes, because, you know, obviously we talked about the schedule and, you you know, the Jets have our number three rest of the season pass efficiency schedule and number one in explosive rating. But I think that when you look at um, that lines up for Robbie Anderson, but I will say it kind of just sets up as the play to make, I believe, is to just buy Darnold in this situation. Or, you know, it's like our guy Rome for Johnny says, you know, buy the syrup, not the pancakes. Because uh, Darnold still hasn't shown that he can support several fantasy guys week to week that we can just count on. Like these guys are in a starting lineup. We're going to play him. He hasn't shown that yet. So, I mean, I believe that you, you'll have some variance and we'll have some oscillation of maybe it's a Crowder week, one week. And we still have to see Crowder, how his targets play out with Herndon coming back. You know, if that middle of the field, if Herndon hurts Crowder at all, or if they hurt, I think we'll just have some oscillation on like which Jets guys week to week, the better play. And we might have to just isolate that by matchups. But I believe you just take Darnold. Cause I mean, you look at you, you hinted on, I mean, they, so he gets Jackson, next week that's a so-so matchup but then the Dolphins the Giants the Redskins the Raiders the Bengals and the Dolphins are the next seven games after that there's not a week after that Jaguars game where I don't think you can objectively say he won't be in the mix to be a QB1 option so I just believe that the way to play it is starting to figure out like who he can support and who will be weekly you just grab Darnold a couple weeks ahead of that time and you hold him with one of your bottom uh, end of your roster spots if you're someone that's been streaming or having like your quarterback situation I I think you should grab Darnold and just kind of you know put him under the pillow for a couple weeks and then bring him out that may be the move. Instead of worrying about which offensive weapon to go with, go with Darnold. He's out there on a ton of waiver wires. Now, he has New England this week, so I still think there's almost another week to buy him because I don't think people mm-hmm. are grabbing him at New England. But after that, like you said, and of course, every year I get I get Warren's what you guys do outline everything <laughs> and you mentioned it that, that moving forward with with the remaining schedule Darnold could be a, a real nice QB1 here for the remainder of the season yeah I love it I have a question here about the Jaguars you put out a tweet about the wonky TD rates this season and at the top of the list with the Jaguars who've scored 90.9% of their touchdowns via the pass Leonard Fournette still third in the league with 584 rushing yards but only the one rushing touchdown uh, Gardner Minshew came back down to earth last week he struggled against a tough New Orleans defense great job by Sean Payton what do you make of this Jaguars offense DJ Chark has been great I'm still patiently waiting for D.D. Westbrook. I I still think he has opportunity. The volume's been there, but the yards haven't. Are you buying Jaguars' rest of schedule, or do you think, listen, it's just going to be pretty much Fournette, and I wouldn't be sure about the rest of them? I guess what I'm saying is Westbrook, Chark, are you buying them? Do you think they're legit rest of season? 
Yeah, I mean, I promise I won't keep bringing this up for every response, but uh, on our metrics at Sharp Football, I mean, Jacksonville's the number one pass D efficiency schedule and the number two in explosive rating rest of the season for passing schedules. Uh, now, we know Shark is going to kind of stabilize at some point. I mean, but we just can't outright fade high leverage targets by saying unsustainable. I mean, he's caught 64.3% of his targets on throws 15 yards or further downfield. League average is 43.9%. And then 27% of his fantasy points so far solely from touchdowns. But he also has five end zone targets. So he's getting end zone targets and vertical targets. And we can't just fade those if it's a guy getting a lot of those. Even if we want to scream unsustainable, uh, those aren't just things you can leave on the table. Uh, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Westbrook's a guy that value's been there. Kind of, um, He's kind of a little bit of a champagne room receiver um you know just just not a guy that's going to give you these big ceiling weeks but you know fine in a ppr league uh, i think that you know wide receiver three plus guy and but Fournette's going to start to find the end zone and maybe that passing schedule actually helps it too uh you know he's got 92 percent of the jacksonville running back touches that's only behind christian mccaffrey for share of backfield touches he's also averaging seven and a half receiving points per game in ppr leagues like you said he just hasn't had the touchdowns find him yet and his one touchdown actually came off of a pass interference in the end zone so the Jaguars just haven't really been getting down there they've run four plays inside of the five yard line all season that's ahead of only the Jets and the same amount as the Dolphins that passing schedule and then being able to move the ball through the air a little better I think will help them you know get in the red zone and it probably can start this week against the Bengals team that's lying a league high five and a half red zone possessions per game at home and then 44 percent of the yards the Bengals have allowed this season have been through rushing that's the highest share in the league so it kind of sets up for a four net kind of chalk week uh but yeah I mean I think the Jaguars in in general their offense looks to be in a little better position rest of the season than we probably would have thought about these guys on just name brand equity uh, to start the season Rich is giving you some great thought starters there on the Jaguars. And when you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. Trust me, I know it's time consuming, it's expensive, and there's way too many carriers to choose from. That's why I always use ShipStation.com. It's fast, easy, and it's an affordable way to manage and ship my orders. Make sure that you use it. I've used it on several occasions here throughout the year, and it just makes things so easy. No matter what you're selling, you go to Amazon, Etsy, your own website. ShipStation brings all those orders info into you in one simple interface. You can manage it. I use my cell phone. It works with all the major carriers, USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. You can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you as the customer. It's really no wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. That You'll ship more in less time, and they have the best rates available. Right now, for Blue Wire podcast listeners, you can try ShipStation for free for 60 days when you use the offer code blue that's right blue b-l-u-e there's no risk you can start a free trial don't even have to put that credit card info in which is a pain just visit shipstation.com click on the microphone at the top of the home page and type in the word blue that's shipstation.com enter the offer code blue and make ship happen Rich, we're in week seven here, NFL season, bye weeks in full effect. Let's do some buy low. So here are some players that really haven't performed recently, but I'm asking you, are you sort of targeting them in trades? Do you think they can turn it around, or are you sort of staying away as we move forward here? Let's start with a guy that we all love here in the fantasy community, Josh Gordon. He has the potential. He has the athleticism. He's in an ideal offense, but he really hasn't popped yet. Of course, a little banged up on the injury trying to tackle uh, the giant player going into the end zone last week where are you on josh gordon rest of season 
I mean, I'm still I'm still buying based on cost. And, you know, a lot of people, I think, that just got a little ahead of themselves with Josh Gordon, not that we haven't done that before. But when he came, when he played at the Patriots last year, he was more of a wide receiver three plus guy. Uh, and I thought that, you know, that he'd be more of like a wide receiver two plus guy. But I think he was going to be a wide receiver one like a lot of people. Uh, but you look at how well Tom Brady's playing and Brady's deep balls back. I mean, he leads the NFL in completion rate and throws 15 plus yards. It should have some symmetry to Josh Gordon. That connection just hasn't been there yet. Uh, so, I mean, and a lot of people too, if you had Josh Gordon, I don't really see how you could be like ultra frustrated because one, you probably just took a late round flyer on him anyways. And then when he did come back right before the season and got cleared, uh, he, you're drafting him, you know, towards like the middle of the background where all, draft picks have low probability anyways so i mean uh i don't really see like how you can be like that frustrated with them although i know understand that people would want more based on opportunities been given this next one is personal i've had an aversion <laughs> to brandon cooks i just have felt because i've owned him rich in several leagues over the last few years that he fades down the stretch and his feast or famine boomer bus weeks are a little too much for me. Of course, now we're questioning whether Geppetto had the wires cut to Pinocchio with uh, Sean McVay and Jared Cook, and he struggled last week for sure, but they're in a plum matchup against the Falcons. Where are you on Brandon Cooks? Cooper Cup has sort of developed this year as the lead wide receiver there. How do, how do you think of Cooks? Uh, how do you characterize him as a, as a wide receiver rest of the season? Yeah, I mean, there's a, a pretty like clear cut path into how, why Brandon Cooks is like has struggled and why Cooper Cup has ascended. I mean, you look at Goff; he's fourth in the NFL in pressure rate. So I mean, and and, and you know, uh, it's really hurt his deep ball. I mean, he's completed on deep balls; he's only ahead of Josh Rosen and Daniel Jones in deep ball completion percentage. Uh, it just doesn't get the time. And I mean, you look at the their matchups too, and they face a lot of teams that are that are really good at pressuring the quarterback. You know, we just saw the 49ers last week. The Bucks are among the league leaders. The Browns are middle of the pack. The Saints are high. And the Panthers. So, I mean, like, he's faced a lot of teams that can put pressure on him, and the interior of the offensive line has struggled. We've seen them just lose note boom now for the season. But he's got two weeks here against uh, teams in the Falcons and Bengals that really don't pressure the quarterback at all. Actually, the Falcons, they have, have one QB hit the past two weeks, don't have a sack their past three games, uh, and, and recently have faced two quarterbacks that just – had faced some of the highest pressure in the league and Kyler Murray and Deshaun Watson and couldn't even sniff either of those guys. So I think that Goff and the Rams offense is going to bounce back for a two-week stretch here, but I want to use those two weeks to get out because I think that they're going to see pressure the back half of the season. They have those two games in the bye, but then they face the Steelers and the Bears. They've got the 49ers again in the fantasy playoffs, and the Cowboys are in the mix there. So, I mean, a lot of teams, I I think pressure is going to be a problem for the Rams and Goff the rest of the season, and that's going to affect the deep ball. So I want to use these two weeks if I have a Robert Woods or Brandon Cooks that that have been under expectancy. And they're going to rebound in these two weeks, and we're all going to circle these as spots to, to get back in on them. Uh, I want to use those to kind of you know come out and sell at those uh, on those matchups. The offensive line is a game changer. I mean, look no further than the Chiefs have lost back-to-back home games there because Eric Fisher's out. They've had struggles. Dak was a different quarterback without his tackles against the Jets for sure. So the offensive line makes a difference. It's a great point. If Goff isn't getting the time, the route tree that Cooks is running is not going to be open as much. It's a great point. We even see the Gerald Everett explosion because he's really looking to those short to intermediate Mm -hmm. areas. 
Uh, next one is Chiefs running back LaShawn McCoy. I struggled, Rich, all draft season at if I had an early first round pick at the second, third turn where I wanted to go. And I just in the end tried to say, you know what? I'm going to corner the market on the Chiefs backfield because you know they'll produce. Sure enough, what has happened this year? About as full blown a running back <laughs> by committee as you could imagine. LaShawn McCoy looks great when he's in there. He does have the occasional fumble. And then, of course, Damian Williams two weeks ago was great. Now, last week it was LaShawn McCoy getting the majority of the touches. Do you see McCoy, as the Chiefs go down the stretch and try to secure a playoff berth here, getting the majority 60% of the touches where he could become a real reliable fantasy running back? Are you pretty much saying, you know what, Chiefs backfield, I'm done with it? Yeah, I mean, there are some wise men in the world, and I just don't have a grasp on how this is going to play out week to week. I mean, maybe we get some stability. I do agree he's he's looked the best. Actually, Darrell Williams has looked really good, too, when he's gotten sure. touches. Yep. Uh, you know, and you'd like to see if he starts to get his head, you know, kind of his nose in there. But, you know, Damian Williams was hurt. Then he practiced in full. They gave him the keys to the ship right away. They didn't do anything. And then last week, he only had two touches. Uh, one was a, a receiving touchdown. Um, but, yeah, and then, you know, Sean McCoy didn't have a carry the week before that comes back. It's just the oscillation is crazy. I uh, don't know uh, if we could really put a thumb on it. And then, like you said, the offensive line has really played subpar. And they've got one of the – they've they actually have our worst run schedule remaining for the season. So, I mean, if uh, McCoy's not a guy that's going to add on these four to five receptions per game, I think that's a problem as well, too. I think if you've got him, he's, he's probably – I hate to hedge. He probably is just kind of a hold. Um, I don't know if I'd be buying him, but, uh, you know, there's going to be weeks where you can play him as a flex and stuff, too. But if unless someone gets hurt, we don't really have a clear-cut path. Uh, for one of these guys to just be like a, like locked into your RB2, RB1 spot, you know, um, at this point in the season. You know, you were looking ahead, too, on social media, and I saw it out there a lot. People are starting to look at the fantasy playoffs, right? So the next guy we're going to talk about here is someone who actually has the Giants and Bengals back-to-back week 15 and 16. It's Dolphins running back Kenyon Drake. Listen, we know they're tanking. We know they're playing from behind. Drake is able to catch passes, but now Mark Walton's in the mix. I mean, we're looking for players here who, during that, that stretch drive, can actually produce in the fantasy playoffs. Is Kenyon Drake one of those guys simply because because of the negative game script and the usage or are you saying you know what it's the dolphins i have no interest i mean you i have interest if you just understand what you're getting if you if you're in a bind at running back say you went zero b and some stuff hasn't worked out i mean he's probably a guy that's attainable uh from a roster and he can be a guy that can get you like a safe bet of points if you look at him he's been an rb3 or better every week since week one the problems that you run into are just scoring opportunities and upside i mean we talked about it earlier when we talked about leonard fournette i mean the dolphins have they've run four plays inside the five and then he's not even getting those carries they don't get there very often and then he's not getting those carries and they do get there is the problem so i mean he's He's got a safety bet of receiving and yard points. He just had 19 touches, too, uh, for season high last week um, in a game where we saw Mark Walton get some more work. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the upside just really isn't there from a scoring stance. But I think if you are a team that has a roster hole, he can just be kind of a patch. Like, you know, he can, he can just be a tire patch for you. Last one here. No one likes the Titans offense. No one is a fan <laughs> of Tennessee's offense. But we are going with Ryan Tannehill, who could – produce a little bit more from a fantasy perspective than Mariota, who pretty much has become way too conservative here to put up sustainable points. Corey Davis is a guy who is going to be available on waiver wires. He did have a a strong year last year. He has the first round draft capital. It's the Titans office. I understand that. But with the quarterback change, sometimes there's a bump. Do you see any value in a Corey Davis here moving forward? 
Oh, it's tough. I mean, he was a pretty much supreme fade for me in the offseason. I mean, I don't want to use that as a reason to dig in, but like Ryan Tannehill and Marcus Mariota, like they're the Spider-Man meme. Like they're the same guy. Like the, yes. the, like they're they're trading, they're trading the same, they're doing the same thing. Even from like from a sack rate perspective, everything, like they're the same guy. Um, and the, the thing is, I don't really think it's it's really a quarterback problem. It's a team and scheme problem. I mean, you look at it, uh, 48.3% of Tennessee pass plays this season have come on non-first downs for seven or more yards to go because they just banged Derrick Henry on first down for two yards. And then they're stuck trying to, you know, throw in those situations. And it's just an objectively terrible spot to generate any offense. Uh, you know, it's not a quarterback problem. That's a team approach problem. And that's not really something I don't, I don't believe that they're really going to get away from. Uh, but he does a, he has a couple bright spots on the schedule here, but, um, it's just, it's just a team that doesn't have inherently a lot of volume, and then they've got kind of three guys that are kind of – that they're using plus Delaney Walker. Uh, so I just don't think that the overall volume is really there. I mean, he can hit against like a games like against the Bucks or so coming up, but uh, objectively not a guy I don't think is going to be a starter uh, for you if you pick him up. And Tennessee's maddening. Derrick Henry has a 75-yard touchdown reception week one, and people are tricked into thinking he's actually going to become part of the pass uh, of the passing game. Last year, Matt LaFleur stubbornly stayed till Deion Lewis until the end of the year where, of course, Henry went crazy. So it's a very difficult team to handicap here, absolutely. Rich, what's your favorite American band of all time? I've had a wide range of responses to this. We've had Guns N' Roses, Aerosmith, Johnny Cash even. What's uh, your favorite American band that you enjoy here of all time? Uh, yeah, so I mean, I grew up more, it's like, uh, I was more into like 90s hip hop, but when I go rock, I go typically power ballads. I like power ballads, man. Uh, yes. More of like a, a heart journey, uh, Guns N' Roses, uh, Bon Jovi, uh, you know, that, that possibly, you know, does that... Does it make me soft? Sure. But I mean, uh, I, I'm down to sing some separate ways at 1 a.m. Uh, you know, some, some, all, some always. <laughs> don't stop believing. Rich. Some Come always. On, I mean, don't stop believing is a little too, you know, that's just, I mean, every bar ruined that song, you know, because they yep, play it at, yep. you play it at 2, 2 a.m. Or, you know, your bars close at 4 a.m. your way. Uh, but right, yeah, right. Uh, I'm more of a power ballad guy when I go rock. Totally fine. Yeah. Eagles <laughs> as well. Of course, they're all great. It's, it's whatever, whatever we connect with. Question here from a listener. Worried about James Conner. He was a player that many fantasy analysts thought was going to maybe share time with Jalen Samuels. Samuels was hurt. He's going to be fine. But Conner, against the game against the Chargers, very positive on him. Only totaled 2.6 yards per carry. Benny Snell was at 4.4 yards per carry. Connor is still the man there. He's getting the goal line touches. But listener wants to know, should I be worried about Connor rest of schedule? Maybe look to trade him away. Yeah, so I mean, this team in general, the past month, I mean, you look at their two best games and Connor's best games too, subsequently for fantasy football, is they've kind of done it with like a, this smoke and mirrors offense. Like, you know, against the Bengals, they ran like a ton of wildcat and these short passes, and they did the same thing, not with as much wildcat, but a similar approach with Devlin Hodges in that game against the Chargers. It's really hard to believe like that type of offense is sustainable. We're like throwing these three yard passes. I mean, it was, it's great for when you get those spike weeks for James Conner. Connor, but then they come sandwiched with a middling game, you know, the game before against Ravens, which he did fall into the end zone. But when they have to run real offense, it's a bad offense. And then the, the, the thing I don't think we expected from the Steelers outside of these injuries is that the O-line has been way worse this year. They're 29th. Yes. 
They're tw- yeah, 29th in adjusted line yards at uh, Football Outsiders. They're 26th in power run success rate. Those are not things I think any of us foresaw coming. We thought that would be a strength of the team. So I, I treat him like I do Brandon Cooks. So he had a big game. And he's obviously on bye this week. But he comes out of the bye with games against the Dolphins and the Colts, which are positive. Um, but I would be using his big game and then that upcoming schedule as kind of a selling point because I just don't believe that when you look at – how the Steelers have generated any success on offense, that that's a believable or sustainable way to have success weekly. And it's just going to have a lot of volatility to it. Let's move to the quarterback position, a rookie quarterback who started slow, but has really picked it up here. Kyler Murray Mm -hmm. question comes in. Kyler really started cooking, played great over the last few weeks, but I have concerns about his upcoming schedule. He travels to the saints. Then he sees the 49ers in two of the next three games after that. Is he a solid start regardless of matchup? Or would you prefer someone like Josh Allen, who has three consecutive home games coming up here during those tough weeks and then go back to Kyler Murray? You are the Konami code master, Rich. So we're talking Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, guys who like to run. What do you think about these two against each other over the next, you know, four or five weeks? Yeah, it's been a, it's been a good year for the Konami brand too. Uh, I saw the ringer put out an article on the Konami code. So uh, the, the brand is strong. You look at the top of the quarterback position; it's a lot of runners. Obviously, I always talk about the Konami code is there for floor, but when you combine it with passing, and if you have a guy like a pass, that's when you start to get these big ceiling games. You know, that's how Deshaun Watson has had been such an awesome fantasy player for so long. And that's why we've seen it with Kyler kind of jump here. But you're talking about like floor versus ceiling. So the floor with Kyler's been there weekly, a 16 or more points in all of his games but his ceiling games have been identifiable matchup based games against teams that don't create a lot of pressure something that's been common that we talked about i mean the past two games versus the Bengals and the falcons he's been under pressure 19 and a half percent of the time that's the lowest rate in the league the past two weeks it was 32 percent prior uh after this another softy against the giants i mean he gets the 49ers twice the saints and the buccaneers who are all ten all top 10 in pressure rate so the, the rushing and the passing volume has given him a stable floor that we had early in the season, but I think he'll revert back to being more of a floor-based option. It doesn't mean he can't have a ceiling week against those games, but we're going to be looking for the floor first uh, to play him for uh, play him by. So if you've got someone like Josh Allen that has a matchup that's also in a spike week, you might just play for the spike week, um, and that's how like I, I'm going to handle handle Kyler Murray. You know, going uh, forward, it's going to be do I want to go for the floor? Or do I want a ceiling you know spike week based on my opponent or you know just chasing points that week? And it's possible that Kingsbury held him back from running early in the season just to get him acclimated. But after that week 12 mm-hmm. bye, he has three consecutive home games, Murray, against the Rams, Steelers, and Browns. Mm-hmm. So those are going to be reasonable games there that he can put points up. So absolutely, if you can tread the next few weeks, I think you come back and then you know maybe finish up with Kyler Murray here and he can give you a real safe floor. It's about those matchups and you just don't want a bonk week there. You're not going to get that with Kyler Murray weeks 13 to 15. It's DFS time, my friend. It's week seven on the horizon. I'm ready to win a million dollars. You are rich damn rebar, okay? So I want you to look into your crystal ball. Give me some DFS plays here, some tournament plays, guys who you think can have strong week seven performances here, one at each position, let's say, across the board. Who do you like here, DFS week seven? I mean, if you're trying to win a million, I guess we gotta. Uh, we're gonna have to go under the table, I guess. Then I can't give you quarterbacks tough this week. You can't week. give me Dalvin Cook. No, you yeah, cannot do nah. that. <laughs> QB is tough this week. I have not looked at projected ownership pro- projections yet at this point in the week. Uh, I know that this comes out a little later, but uh, I haven't seen it. But I've been quarterbacks pretty linear this week. I think that the two like obvious tournament plays will be Jared Goff for the reasons we mentioned earlier, and then probably Josh Allen. Uh, you know, uh, I'm I'm curious to see how Josh Allen is gonna help 
popular as going to be DFS because I do my rankings on Wednesday, and uh, I have noticed the industry has Josh Allen as QB9, which I feel is very soft. Uh, you know, it's very scared money with Josh Allen. So I hope that is a signal to his ownership is going to be that high. Cause I mean, he's had 16 or more fantasy points in every game outside of the Patriots game. He even had 16 or more against the Titans in that low scoring game. And he was facing a Miami team that's lost 15 or more fantasy points to every quarterback this season and 20 or more to every fan quarterback, not named Case Keenum. Uh, you know, and then you look at last year, Josh Allen just absolutely destroyed the Dolphins. He was the QB two with 29 points. And then he was the QB one with 40 and a half points in his two meetings against the Dolphins as a rookie I think if you're looking for another guy in that game that is kind of maybe been off people's radar and just as a pure tournament play is Devin Singletary you know he's kind of he set set to return he missed the three games with the hamstring injury they played it very cautious with him through the bye but he he was the guy that was getting robust yardage that that game and a half he played 127 yards on 10 carries to two games I don't expect Frank Gore to go away and he'll still be the early down back but I mean there's a the Miami is allowing 150 rushing yards per game and 196 yards per scrimmage to opposing backfields the highest in the league there's enough for both Devin Singletary and Frank Gore to do work and you talk about Devin Singletary at his price you know if you get uh 80 yards and a touchdown from him with a couple grabs I mean you're in you're in business you know for his price uh how about the wide receiver I was gonna say Christian Kirk but I want to be too obvious there I mean all is he gonna play Rich I agree with you he was third (laughs) in targets before he got injured I'm just wondering he's gonna play this week that's the key yeah Cliff said he was close to to playing last week uh so we'll just need to uh see you know at the at this point by the time you put this out we'll know we'll get see his practice reports and if he's practicing on Friday uh all three primary Giants cornerbacks Janoris Jenkins Grant Haley and DeAndre Baker all rank in the bottom nine in terms of yards allowed for pass coverage snap in the league so i mean if you can get that i mean him and then if you want to go really deep uh a guy who everyone has come to hate uh is dante pettis uh he's there it is that's my guy yeah you like him you like dante yes. pettis i am because i just don't think rich that san francisco can continue the running back by committee and the wide receivers by committee i feel like someone has to step forward i'm, I'm on truth or island with him uh, well he played 71 percent of snaps last week uh debo samuel also got hurt last week he picked up a groin injury and the 49ers have already signed deontay Burnett off of their practice squad, which isn't a promising signal that they're planning on having Debo Samuel this week against Washington. So that elevates Pettis a little bit as a deeper dart. Washington's 29th in the league in fantasy points allowed per target to opposing wide receivers. So, I mean, uh, that's a little bit of a deeper one. And then uh, I think at tight end, it's a guy you brought up a couple times. Um, I think it's it's everyone picked the wrong week on Gerald Everett. Uh, one, mm-hmm. I was actually down on Gerald Everett last week and was t- suggesting he was a fade because the 49ers – are like they have small fast linebackers that's like how that they're 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 built uh he did nothing last week he did actually have a wide open target for a touchdown though that Goff missed him on but he's been targeted now in 27.1 percent and 29.4 percent of his routes the past two weeks which is kind of lost a bit in that raw output that he had in the two for nine game uh but uh the Rams wide out uh, objectively have the best outlook, but the Falcons have allowed three touchdowns to opposing tight ends over the past two weeks. Uh, and it, it allows us to kind of, you know, play on the recency bias of everyone taking a swing on Everett last week and being disgruntled uh, and then coming in in a game we expect to probably have a shot to go over. Uh, a little bum Jalen Ramsey got, got involved in this game, but uh, I think we still expect them, it to be some touchdowns. 
That's a great point there. <laughs> I, sh- I should know the answer to this next question because I sat across from there having dinner. But what is your drink of choice? TJ came on, talked about the aversion to IPAs. We've had people come on. What, what's your go-to there on a Friday night in the Rebar household? <laughs> I mean, I really don't discriminate uh, against the booze. I do. I, I mean, my, usually my, so my go-to bar drink is always Jameson and Ginger. I drink it. Uh, there's a Jameson. That's what I think. Hey, I love Jameson. Uh, I will say lately we've been making, um, we've been doing G&Ts at home. But instead of tonic, we've been using lime trulies. So we've been Ooh. so uh, we've been doubling the booze factor. So instead of using just like a, a tonic, we've been going with that that lime seltzer alcohol water uh, with the gin. Perfect. That's a that's a those are, those get you wrecked, man. They come quick because you're doubling that alcohol factor. That listen, talking about alcohol, that's the fun part here. But I will say, talking about erectile dysfunction is certainly not. We usually brush it off here as guys. We'll say we'll have a drink and we'll say, you know what, I lost my mojo or I had a long day at work, whatever it is. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. It's a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all of the comfort and privacy of your home. Doctor will work with you to find that best treatment plan if medication is appropriate, and they ship it with free two-day shipping. It's very straightforward. Go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. ED is tough to tackle, but there's Roman. Complete a visit there online with the doctor, and he will take care of it. Just to get Roman, just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. Get a free online visit, free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. Make sure you go there and check it out today. All right, Rich, fantasy football momentum time. Will these players keep their momentum off solid week six performances? We're going to assume half PPR for all of these. I'll go over the pond to London. Curtis Samuel, after all the preseason hype and the videos that I'm guilty of tweeting out as well with the connection there in preseason with Cam Newton, he did have four catches, 78 total yards, two touchdowns. Is he finally building off that incredible preseason? And do you think he'll be even better when Cam Newton comes back? He was a guy that was kind of lagging on the expected points model there for uh, a few weeks. So it's good to see him finally come and connect. I was chasing that for a little bit. Um, I think the problem with Samuel is it's going to be pretty similar to how it's been. I mean, it's just a, a wide usage tree in a low volume pass game. So you're going to always have like vol- volatility with the types of targets he gets. I mean, it's McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Samuel, Greg Olson on a team looking to throw 30 passes per week. So, I mean, that's just kind of where we're living, um, you know, kind of like one of those, you know, volatile wide receiver three plus type of guys. Next one is Devontae Freeman. There's always like a different Falcons player in every segment when I do this each week. But 118 (laughs) total yards, two receiving touchdowns. Austin Hooper, of course, has been phenomenal. So there's another option there in the passing game. But where are you at on the former overall RB1 in fantasy? I still kind of got one foot in, one foot out on Freeman. I mean, he's bounced back with 96 total yards per game in the past four games. He's averaging 4.2 receptions per game. It's his most in a season since that 2015 breakout when he was the RB1. Uh, but we know those three receiving touchdowns the past, like, the past two weeks, like those aren't something you can count on. Uh, right now, 71.3% of his fantasy output is from receiving only. That's it. Like, so he's doing nothing rushing, and we know those touchdowns are going to drive. I mean, that, that rate trails only Austin Eckler for the top 20 scoring running backs. So, I mean, it's not really a sustainable way to live uh, on the fantasy world. So I think we'll see his floor 
or a ceiling come back down uh, because he's reached the end zone on those passing touchdowns. But, uh, you know, he'll be in the RB2 mix, I think, weekly, just based on uh, how mu- how often these team, this Atlanta team is just going to have to throw for the remainder of the season. And Freeman's a guy who you keep one fit in, of course, because of the, the passing <laughs> game usage. A player yep. that no one wants to get involved with because, with because he's old man River is Adrian Peterson. Okay, however, Bill Callahan comes in as coach, talked about how they had to run the ball, and Peterson did go for 118 yards, 5.1 yards per carry. I find, Rich, that he's like a Carlos Hyde guy. We don't like them. They're not exciting. But in the end, if we need production, sometimes you go with the plotter and they actually deliver. Do you think Peterson's sustainable as a RB2 here with that rushing production for Old Man River? What do you think? Uh, I don't because – Dolphins, <laughs> uh, you know, it was, it's, it just set up for Callahan to make those comments and to, to swerve into it. Everything lined up. You know, we just talked about earlier when we talked about the Bills guys, uh, you know, allowing, you know, 200 total yards per game to opposing backfields. It's just you know, really set up for the Dolphins. Now he plays the 49ers, the Vikings and Bills his next three games, uh, you know, and then he gets, you know, in the fantasy playoffs, you know, he gets a game against the Packers, but also, you know, the Eagles, you know, so I mean, it's, you're going to have to pick your, if you, a player with Adrian Peterson, like you need everything all the stars to a lineup of him being a favorite, being able to control game script and then having a matchup in his corner. So you need all those to, to line up like they did last week. Yeah, You need the Jenga puzzle. It's got to be perfect. Yeah. If one thing comes out, the whole thing could fall apart. <laughs> yep. Last guy here, Auden Tate. No John Ross, no AJ Green for a while. Last week, Tyler Boyd ends up with Marlon Humphrey going back and forth. Is Tate's production sustainable here? He looked great. He had some fantastic catches. Is he a guy you can trust here as a wide receiver three moving forward? Yeah, I mean, over the last month, he leads the team in air yards, uh, 23% of the team targets. He's coming off two top 30 scoring weeks, and he had 31% of the targets last week as Marlon Humphrey kind of erased Tyler Boyd in that game. You talk about that catch radius, just making a lot of great grabs. He needs that catch radius because he's slow. He's, he, he's a 4'7 guy, you know, 6'6. Six, six, so, you know, he's going to have a lot of, he's going to have to make a lot of plays like that. Uh, but, you know, um, we just need to see how this A.J. Green thing plays out. I mean, I think it's completely egregious if the Bengals don't trade A.J. Green. You know, talking about a 31-year-old wide receiver that's played two full seasons this past five years and is coming up on a contract on a team that has no business giving him a big contract because they're not in a winning position. Uh, for them to not trade him, I think, would be egregious. But it's the Bengals. So why would should we expect them to make a decision like that? Uh, but if it can kind of stay with as the way – it's laid out with, you know, Tyler Boyd, Auden Tate, and Alec Erickson as the top three receivers, then yeah, it's sustainable for him because they're throwing the ball so much, uh, you know, at basically the highest rate in the NFL, even in neutral game script situations. Uh, so we just need to see how the A.J. Green thing plays out uh, over the next coming weeks. Let's t- take me back to your childhood here. What's the best Christmas or birthday gift you received as a child? Oh, I mean, it had to be uh, Nintendo, man, when Nintendo dropped. I mean, it was just, it was such a game-changing moment cause, you know, we didn't have stuff like that as kids. Uh, than to be able to play video games, uh, you know, just it, it obviously molded uh, to where we've gone now with video games. And I still play video games now. It's kind of weird to think about, you know, because uh, our era, you know, our parents, you know, didn't have that. So, like, you know, they didn't our parents never played video games. They may sit down with us once in a while, but you know, I still play video games as an adult. I always think about that too, with like hip hop music, if like we're gonna have like 80 year olds listen to hip hop music, cause it's just like, it didn't exist. And now like the era got there, like you'll just have like uh, some old lady, just like, you know, bumping whatever, you know, tra- <laughs> music's going to be out at that point. I say, uh, why, yeah. I say, why not? <laughs> I've rammed Mike Tyson's punch out down my four year old son's throat. So I have no problem with that. I'll have the hat on backwards and the gold chain and my dentures. Yeah. Sounds good to be bad. <laughs>
Yeah, yeah, but that was just a game changer, game changer, man, the video game system. Absolutely. We talked a little bit about San Francisco, so you, you already made me feel better about Dante Pettis, but one of two undefeated teams, you know they like to run the ball, they're incredibly efficient. Talk about the backfield there a little bit. Matt Breida had the explosion with the big run there against the Browns on the on the opening possession a couple weeks ago. Tevin Coleman getting the goal line carries. Jeff Wilson has annoyed everyone with his usage. But what do you think about the backfield? Is it is it a two-man backfield? Because we can deal with that, but I can't deal with a three-man backfield here moving forward. Yeah, it's a two-man backfield unless they smoke teams. And we saw it last week. It was it was pretty neutral game script all the way throughout. Most of it hardly played. He just played seven snaps. You know, when they blow teams out like the Browns or, you know, like when all three were there most are cleaned up he cleaned up at the end so if we can get games where it's just like you know in a matchup where we think it's going to be pretty neutral it's going to be mostly those two guys this week against washington we'll probably see most are come clean up again but uh yeah i mean it's pretty i think it's pretty clear though how they want to use both these guys and uh i was on um the the road of his show um early earlier this summer and talked about the the, the kind of the layout of i thought brita you know it just stinks because he's so talented but he's he's a purgatory back you know and then amir abdullah corollary now he's better than amir abdullah but like the 49ers have shown they want to keep him on the field so he doesn't get high snaps and they don't use him near the goal line he'll catch a couple passes but like he's not really getting you a lot of money touches in fantasy football like the touches that get you points in fantasy football he's got to have these 80 yard touches touchdown runs to score touchdowns he's just not used near the goal and they, they used the guy jeff they brought jeffrey wilson off the practice squad and gave him the carries oh, you know inside the 10 oh, for weeks God. but that, that they've signaled that's how they want to use him and coleman's that guy so coleman now is at the front of the committee and gets the money touches so you know we kind of have that one at one a one b you know kind of scenario and then yeah I, I i think we'll see pettis you know get some more usage and burn but obviously i mean we're talking about the passing game it's going to remain low value and it's going to still run through george kittle well we'll go from one one a one b backfield to another question here about the packers why won't the packers just trust aaron jones the guy has four touchdowns against the cowboys and they go right back to jamal williams coming off injury at home against detroit doesn't jones have the talent i know matt lafleur used a committee in tennessee but why is he continuing to underutilize aaron jones I mean, I would have loved to have seen how it played out the start of that game if those two mistakes didn't yeah, happen. Exactly. Uh, I mean, if he doesn't fumble, if he doesn't fumble the the first or second drive and then brick that touchdown, that thirty three yard touchdown catch, I mean, it might have been a different story. But you got to make those plays to close the door. And we saw what Chris Carson when they he was fumbling and they started to give Penny some touches. When Penny got hurt, Chris Carson came back and closed the door and said, no, this is why you're giving me those snaps and can it reclose that door. Aaron Jones needed to do that and did it. Now he left that crease open. And Jamal Williams, it's harder even like really – pick up pick it apart because jamal williams has performed uh he's had 18 14 and 12 touches over his past three full games he's been a top 30 fantasy scorer with those touches they haven't gone to waste uh so it's a you know i want to yell from the, the mountains too with the with you know you guys on this but jamal williams is actually playing well so it's harder to really you know point a point a finger at things you know and to say ah get him off the field uh but i do believe aaron jones actually is the most talented you know guy in that backfield and hopefully we see see him regain regain control of it uh you know coming forward isn't it great to see james starks actually return to the league the body of jamal williams isn't that fantastic <laughs> it's true to see? absolutely it is james Starks. all right todd, todd rich for week seven lightning round i'm going to give you two players here pick the one you think is going to have a better week seven performance Again, half PPR. Bigger road running back smash spot. Josh Jacobs on the road at Green Bay or Mark Ingram going to Seattle? 
Yeah, both these guys have a little bit of downside to him too, but I'll say Jacobs just based on, you know, his expanding role in the passing game, which we do need to see sustain itself in a negative game script game, which you may have here. I mean, definitely we could be Lucy with the football at Josh Jacobs here and they go down 20 and we don't see him. Uh, but, you know, Mark Ingram is con- completely contingent on one thing in fantasy football and it's reaching the end zone. Now he's reached the end zone in four of six games, but in the two games he didn't score a touchdown, he was the RB30 and the RB39 because he doesn't catch passes. So, I mean, if you don't get a touchdown from Mark Ingram, the floor is, is pretty low. Yeah, it's fair. And Jacobs with eight targets over the last three weeks. So finally Gruden is starting to use him a little bit more. Two road wide receivers who are in tricky spots here. Top wide receivers, but tricky spots. Alshon Jeffrey going to Dallas, a desperate Dallas team, or DJ Chark here going to Cincinnati. And things have opened up for Chark with William Jackson and Drake Kirkpatrick both being ruled out already for this game. So that kind of helps his cause a little bit. I saw uh, Darquise Dennard has started to practice with the team, but I don't know if he'll be active this week. So it's kind of improved for Chark, his outlook. Um, but I mean, I think that you have to, uh, I think if you're just talking about the, the pure upside uh, and scoring ability, I mean, Alshon's got 30% of the team targets over the past three weeks with DJX still being out once again. And, you know, um, it's really tough to ignore that type of, of, of value uh, at that type of level. Absolutely. And listen, on a separate note, if Joe Mixon doesn't go this week against Jacksonville, I don't know what you're going to do with them because the Joe Mixon owners have been very frustrated. Yeah. But this is it. <laughs> Jacksonville is lowest in defense, run defense uh, DVOA. So he's got he's to pop there, but we'll see what happens. Better wide receiver play, Terry McLaurin at home against Sam Fran or Keenan Allen, who's been MIA lately at Tennessee. Yeah, I'm still going to side with Allen here but, uh, just because of the matchup, and it's a great spot to signal some regression for Terry McLaurin. You know, 32% of his fantasy points have come directly from touchdowns. It's the highest rate of any top 25 scoring wide receiver. We know that's not sustainable. So it's a good spot to say, you know what, McLaurin's probably not going to find the end zone this week. Uh, he has delivered in some good matchups against Chicago. He had 6 or 75, but also a touchdown. And then Dallas, 5 or 62, also a touchdown. So there could be some garbage uh, you know, potential here for McLaurin. I definitely wouldn't bench him, uh, but I think that uh, you know we're, we've seen this from Keenan Allen before where he goes kind of in the dark for a few games and bounces back. He, he really does have some volatility to him, which you wouldn't believe what the archetype of receiver he is. But going back to the past three years, he's – had spike weeks followed by, you know, down weeks or gone in spurts where he just runs hot and cold. Uh, so, I mean, I'll go with him this week. Better volume home running back. David Montgomery, who's getting the volume but just not producing against the Saints, or Marlon Mack at home coming off the bye against the hot Texans. Yeah, I mean, I'll go with Mack here just one because I believe in the Colts offensive line, whereas Kyle Long just got placed in injured reserve. Uh, and I just believe in the Colts-Texans game having more scoring potential than I do the Saints-Bears. Fair enough. And last one, better tight end play. We talked about him. Gerald Everett going to Atlanta or TJ Hawkinson at home against the Vikings defense where hopefully he'll get some some looks. Yeah, I, mean, I like the I like Everett still just for game potential. Hawkinson's coming off of a six target game at least. It's the but he's second on the team in end zone targets two at five. We just uh, need him to find the end zone because he just has fifty six total yards since that week one bonanza. Yeah, that's exactly right. The catch and run has not been there. Rich, what's the best sporting event you attended in person? It's tough. I've been to uh, some good ones. I don't have any, like the tremendous stories. I mean, I I'm not, I'm not a wrestling guy, but I saw Survivor Series as a kid. I remember loving that. Yeah, the mid good one. I'm from, uh, you know, the Cleveland area. So the mid nineties Indians like had a lot of bonkers moments. You know, I was there at the lo- I was actually there at the loft and robbed the home run off Rafael Palmero. Yes. And at- oh yeah. And then, 
and the fourteen uh, to one comeback on Sunday night. Oh, um, but I will yeah, good ones. Yeah, definitely. As a visitor, and a visitor though, I went to Game Seven in Boston when the Caps played the Celtics in two thousand eight. That was the game where like Paul Pierce and LeBron went nuts, and uh, it was wow. a it was a great experience because it was Boston too. And uh, at the at the Garden, you have to like go up this escalator uh, to get in. And uh, I just remember you're, you know, you're going up this escalator. We all had cabs gear on and it's just everyone waiting to get in the gate, which is obviously, you know, 90 percent Boston fans. And they're just ragging the shit out of us. And we're in this escalator. So it's like slow motion, just like taking it as you're going up in slow motion, uh, just getting just having just the whole you know, city of Boston pile on you. It was pretty fun. It was enjoyable uh, road experience. Going to college in Boston, having a 12-man room where half of them were Red Sox fans and we were Yankee fans, I get it. I totally get it. They, When the Yankees were in the playoffs there and the Red Sox weren't, they actually shut the bar down at extra innings for the Yankees. Mariners. We go, you have to be kidding us. We're spending money. They go, it's not about the money. It's about pride. Okay. So that runs deep. That You're going in enemy territory there dressed as a Cavs fan. That's tremendous. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was fun. It was fun to get, uh, get razzed like that, at that level. But Rich, you've been fantastic, man, as always. You exceed expectations, and they're already high. Last question, then we'll get you out of here. So right now, we're midway through the year. People are trying to jockey for position. Of course, they've been disappointed with some of their early round picks. I'm just curious, who's a top first round or early second round pick guy that you're saying, you know what, it's time to cut bait. The one that comes to mind, maybe DeAndre Hopkins. I, you know, what is he going to be rest of season? Can he still get some value for him? I don't know. Who is that guy that if people are holding on to, you're saying, you know what, I understand that you're holding on to him, but I think you have to realize that if you're going to make a run, it may be better to move him right now. Who's that guy for you? Yeah, I mean, there's probably a few of those guys that have underperformed. How about a guy that has performed uh, in David Johnson? Uh, oh, okay. Good one. He's got one hot more week here against the Giants. We ran down some of the bad schedules, but uh, look at how DJ is performing. I mean, he's been kind of he's been objectively bad as a runner. Uh, he's forced just five missed tackles on seventy six carries. He's also not creating his own space in the receiving game. He's forced just four missed tackles on thirty catches. So he's not a guy that like he's not the David Johnson of twenty sixteen. That guy that won us leagues. He's getting by and just passing volume. And when we get Kirk back, and you know we see this offense try to grow, and if they have tougher matchups, there might be some more downside to him. We know there's no real rushing upside, um, and we love rushing. We love the touchdowns, and we love the touchdowns he's produced, and we love the touches that come through receptions. But I think the play is if you can make David Johnson through this hot stretch he's had and we know the cold stretch is coming and he can still have a stable floor and you could turn david johnson into alvin kamara i think that's the move especially with kamara being hurt because kamara when drew Brees comes back is gonna he's gonna blow up the thing that's killed kamara so far and he's had a great floor is that the saints aren't scoring any points because teddy bridgewater's been a bus driver you know since teddy bridgewater's been there the last five weeks they're 24th in plays run inside the 10 yard line kamara's only got two touches inside the five and they both came in that same game against seattle when drew Brees comes back the scoring opportunities are gonna come back and kamara's playing the, the snap counts we want. Now, I know he picked up that ankle injury, but I mean, you know, give him a week and let this go. So this is a, it's a longer play, but I think if you could turn David Johnson into Kamara, and you might be able to get more than Kamara for him right now uh, with the owner that's scared. Uh, you know, if you're in a good position, I think that's the move. I think we're going to see those two guys very extremely flip. You know, down the back half of the season. 
like George Casanza wanted to in Seinfeld, leave on a high note. That's what you get with Rich Rebar, folks. David Johnson for Alvin Kamara. That's possible. And it is, he outlined a perfect reason why. You have to follow him if you're not at Lord Reeves. Look at all his work over at sharpfootballanalysis.com. He's one of the absolute pillars, best in the business. Rich, that was a, quite an ending there. Fantastic job. Great insight, man. Can't thank you for a few minutes here on the mailbag and just awesome, awesome work. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, ho- hopefully you guys have me on again. And then, uh, yeah, if you guys just re- follow me, go to Sharp Football Analysis and check everything uh, that's going on for the rest of the season as we drop in a couple deals here because we know people are, are fading in the fantasy football world. But if you're into DFS, if you lost your you know, regular season and you don't even need the, need the worksheet to help you get wins, use it for DFS. And, you know, I put a DFS article at the end every week, too. So come in and uh, get some DFS, so, you know, juice, too. Oh, it's a, it's an automatic site that I go to. They are Warren and Rich are killing it. Absolutely great advice, man. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag of Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio and at Randall Rant. Make sure you tell a friend, and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.